0: All right, welcome back to the podcast, ladies and germs. As we uh, enter the studio once again, I'm excited to welcome back to Marley Ramon's Mad Mad House of the Dead podcast. We have here with us tonight, Mr. Dangerous Dave Kusky. Welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me back. boy there, Marley (laughs) Mates. It's my pleasure. Man, you, you knew all the lines. You nailed it. That's right, it. That's a wrap. It. Good night, everybody. Back. We'll have you again on soon. Put it in the can. <laughs> What's going on, dude? Uh, nothing. nothing. Just uh, rocking. Yeah, some, some stuff Steady. and things.
1: Stuff and things and I don't know. I was going to come up with something clever and I didn't have that's
0: anything. Okay. So. Yeah, no, that's okay. Stuff and things. That's clever enough. I think uh Rick Grimes said it best, but you're you're doing great though. You're coming in close right behind him. Somebody Someone's does have do to it. do it. But uh I'm glad you're why why not you. Me? Why not? Yeah, why, no, not, why not, not me for real? You can do the spin offs. what are there, like nineteen different Walking Dead shows now?
1: Um sounds,
0: sounds about, about right, right. ish.
1: And they just came out with a horribly panned video
0: game that's terribly glitchy and yeah. tedious. I haven't played it. I just saw that okay. reviews. I'll take your word for it. I'm not much of a gamer these days. Ever since I got rid of my uh, NES, my Nintendo Entertainment System. Still, have I wish mine. I did. I wish I still had mine. Actually, I did get one of those like knockoff all-in-one type plug-and-play jammies. You know what I'm talking about? It's got all the built-in games. Yeah. Yeah. I got one of those just for nostalgic reasons, but I don't think I've ever even taken it out of the box. But any damn way, what's new in your world? Thanks for coming back to the the program. Yeah. I
1: don't know. It's been a few months, I guess. It has.
0: You're actually – you are the first person to make a return visit – back onto the show. So I'm excited for that. And it's pretty cool because, um, you know, the first time you were here, we talked about a lot of your film projects and some ways that we were able to collaborate on those because they're pretty extensive and you've put me to work in terms of developing some posters to advertise the projects as well as some behind the scenes stuff with the storyboards and, even a little bit of voiceover action, but we've got some news for the listeners, right? You've made some advancements yeah. since then. Uh, yes, I have. And, uh, just,
1: uh, since you're not going to throw this out there, I will. Your work on the films has merited you some <laughs> awards for, uh, best poster press kit. Um, and, uh, best, uh, concept proof of design for the monkey's paw. I made a short uh I took a scene from the Monkey's Paw and that featured Lloyd Kaufman and Mark Torgel and Mary Teresa Green and myself and used your storyboards and put sound effects and stuff to it and uh it was very well received, so if you check on your IMDB, you are <laughs> an award winner. It's awesome. That's Thank the you. Speaking to the progress, I had, uh, in October, my short film, Father Knows Best, screened at a film festival. And so when you, uh, as an independent filmmaker, it's always good to go to festivals if you're able to, because then you can network with people. And so, and they actually had multiple networking uh, opportunities scheduled into the, to the block so they would have like this time blocked off specifically for networking and then each night after the screenings and so i met uh, this really cool digital artist animator and originally he well he gave a panel that i didn't get to go to so i was bummed about that where he talked about doing a uh, visual low budget visual effects as an in- independent uh, filmmaker i got in at the tail end of that but i got to talk to him during the networking and stuff and uh it was over a weekend so it was a friday saturday sunday so then saturday night i talked to him at the post party and originally i was talking to him about uh some visual effects for a live action film that i shot at the same time as father knows best that i'm trying to finish at some point and then we we got into uh I actually was talking to another person there, a woman who is an animator, and I was asking her some questions about animation. And that, and he was like, "Hey, I actually am also an animator," and I was like, "Oh, cool!" So we, I talked to him a lot about animation then. And he gave me his card, and so he was like, "Yeah, send me the script." So this was for the Monkey Spa specifically. So I sent the script for the Monkey Spa, and he's like really great. I love it. Uh, what are your plans for this? And I was like, well, (laughs) trying to produce my plans. And so I was telling him about having storyboards and having all the audio ready for it other than the music and stuff. And he's like, Oh, you're much farther along than I expected you to be. And I was like, yeah, I've been working on it for a while now. I just uh, don't know where to go from here. So we did a zoom, uh, Probably late October-ish, before Halloween, and talked for a couple hours. He he's very insightful and is uh, very enthusiastic about sharing his knowledge. So he was he did a screen share with me and he's showing me his uh, his animation program and stuff. And he was like, I don't know how much of this is worth anything to you. And I was like, it's all great because it it helps me understand the process since I'm primarily in live action and stuff. So he's at the very least involved with the monkey's paw in the sense of uh, mentoring and guiding me towards my next steps. But also hopefully you'll be doing some of the animation work. I've realized my scripts for both Monkey's Paw and Interview with the Batman, which would be considered shorts if they were live action, are considered long by animation really? standards. And so, uh, both the animators I've talked to, we'll get to the Batman one in a second, have expressed to me how that's quite a uh, quite a workload for a single person. So I'm going to need oh a team of animators for both of those films. So. Uh, I don't know, I guess trying to get some funding is kind of the next step maybe (laughs) and see what I can do from there. But I have him to uh, bounce ideas off of and stuff. He sent me a film he was working on that he just wrote and made himself. It was pretty good. And so he wanted my feedback on it as he was making, fine tuning it before he was sending it out to festivals. So hopefully I gave him some good feedback there. I also, during the festival... I networked with a girl who just graduated from Creighton film school. Creighton's in Omaha. And, uh, we have been chatting about different film influences and stuff. And so she wrote me and she's like, Hey, I know you mentioned you were doing some animation animated films. I have an animator friend who just graduated from the art Institute and she's looking for projects. And so, she's she's involved with interview with the batman and she gave me some uh guidance there the uh, interview with the batman is at a different stage than monkey spot monkey's part is much farther Mm -hmm. along but they're also different uh styles of animation and so i didn't i didn't know if i necessarily needed to, to follow the same steps in the same order and stuff and so she's giving me guidance there. And again, like the previous one, she's at the very least a mentor, but I think she's very enthusiastic about working on it. She's from Nebraska and she's like, I want to work on Nebraska films with Nebraska filmmakers. Awesome. So uh, we're gonna try and make that work. Um, so I have one animator for each film currently.
0: Interview with the Batman.
1: I think we're doing some storyboards
0: on that now. Yeah, that's exciting. I'm really glad. I was excited to hear what you said. Because originally when you led into it before, it sounded like you had one. And I I thought to myself, well, maybe they'd be interested in doing both projects. And then you're like, oh, no, no, no. I've already got somebody else lined up for this other one. I'm like, what? You got two different ones? So like, that's exciting to have that. And so that's when you said, okay, now I've got some leads uh, would you be interested in doing those Interview with the Batman storyboards And so yeah I'm excited to to Start working on those too And um, The Monkey's Paw I remember Just kind of chipping away at those Little by little it took quite a bit of time To knock those out I'm hoping that My schedule Will allow for A little bit more dedication to Be able to do those uh, And get them taken care of in a little more timely fashion, if you uh,
1: are feeling overwhelmed, "Interview with the Batman" is a shorter film than "The Monkey's Paw." And it has less
0: shots, so there's less uh, storyboarding. Definitely to do. a a good news story, and also, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't it hurt argue that it's I'll be drawing a lot of Batman, so you know that's always fun. Yeah, and the cool thing is, like, I don't even have to think about what he looks like because we already know what he looks like so. Unless, of course, you know, you just want to get super creative and just reimagine the entire entire line. I want him to look more yeah. like a man bat than bat. Well, at least he exists, too. So, <laughs> <laughs> But, no, that's great news. I'm glad that you were able to provide us with an update because I would be so excited to see. and Obviously, I know you would. You've been, obviously, working on these for years and years and years. And, like, that's... It would be amazing to see it all come together. Yes. <laughs> yes. i oh, sneezed. So I sneeze.
1: The microphone and not interrupt you. And then I'll <laughs> like, say. I saw you. And it didn't I wasn't sure if yet.
0: you were about to say something clever or just, you know, blow your mic across the room. Who's Mike anyways? <laughs>
1: uh, speaking of Mike, Mike Glessinger is a great, uh, collaborator
0: of mine on my <laughs> podcast. That's who I was talking about. <laughs> well, I asked you to come back on the show and you know, this time we were gonna shift gears a little bit and kind of talk about something that, a piece that I've done, but it, it ties us together in several different ways. And the particular piece that we're gonna talk about tonight is actually, it's a mixed media on canvas. It was an original piece that I had done and it is inspired by an original comic book cover, the 1962 Amazing Fantasy number no. 15, which nerds around the globe will know that that was where Spider-Man made his first appearance, as drawn by the legendary Jack Kirby. And I love it when you'll see a lot of comic book covers, especially currently and, and even all throughout the years, will reproduce newer versions of classic covers or they'll do some sort of spin-off or some sort of like tie-in where like you, you'll recognize it right away and be like this looks familiar to me why do I why does this seem so familiar it's because we've seen it over and over again and it's cool like especially uh you know something like this where it's been used a dozen times or more I wanted to use this and I've got ideas to do this with other classic covers but I just have more ideas than I have time and You know how that goes, Mm. but, um, yeah, you're a huge comic nerd. And even though our listeners can't see right now, what I can see dangerous, Dave is sitting there rocking his actual Spider-Man hoodie. And even in the background, I can see some superheroes (laughs) hanging up and some Spidey's, you know, on the couch there. So yeah, no doubt. Uh, pretty cool. It's, it's obviously, and you know, you've dedicated into an entire project to talking about the Dark Knight himself. So, I mean, obviously, comics have been a tremendous impact in, in your uh, professional and creative pursuits and just fun in general, just being a dude, just being a kid, being a nerd and living it up. Well, when I created this piece, I didn't just recreate the the Spider-Man image, I actually just used the, the exact same layout, the format and all the fun and did a crossover with the misfits. And people have heard me talk about the misfits on the show over and over and over again. And also what people can't see that I can see is that dangerous Dave just unzipped that hoodie. Calm your imaginations. He's wearing the misfits 30th anniversary concert t-shirt from 2007. And we just so happened to be at that exact same show because we went together uh, with a a number of other fellas that we were chums with, and got to see the band perform live in Virginia Beach, and it was it was a great show. In fact, and met him. Yeah. Not only did he meet him, Jerry Only's signed that shirt that he's wearing, and I have a picture of him give me a <laughs> I have a similar one from a different show though that was the best yeah. part of going to those small shows back then was that I I've lost yeah. track of how many times I've seen them play but back when they played those smaller venues before the the re-emergence of the original misfits and Danzig rejoining for what was supposed to be a one-off show and has now become like a several year money grab but whatever um they were great to, to see live because they, they brought the crazy energy and they would come down off the stage, hang out, take pictures, sign autographs with every last person that wanted one. They were the sweetest guys, super cool, very polite, just very kind and friendly, and just super appreciative of their fans. like, I think beyond the scope of their music and their iconic imagery, like, that's what I love most about them is just how great of dudes they were. They were just regular guys. Yeah. They. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I don't know if you,
1: this is uh, a side piece. <laughs> you got a side, side piece? piece. Uh, but <laughs> they, they uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s, the Misfits were also a part of uh, World Championship Wrestling. Yeah. I don't know if you... Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, we used to come out to the ring with Vampiro. That's right. And and so that was another um, pop culture geek crossover totally. uh, moment for us. Did I you guess.
0: know that that was actually kind of by accident? The original lineup was supposed to be something. Or hold on, I might be getting my stories mixed up. The ICP was involved in some fashion too. Like they had somewhat of a crossover yep. there too, and something happened it didn't work out, but misfits were like playing across the street. They had a gig or something and it was completely unscripted. It was just kind of a last minute thing. And they came down and they were walking down to the ring and it was just, just total chaos. And then it actually evolved to a point where like, these guys were just hardworking, regular dudes, right? Blue collar guys. Like they made all their own props. Like there was a time where they pressed their own records you know all this stuff everything was just done grassroots but they always went big guns and so like jerry's got this big machine shop and he actually went all out he bought this full-size wrestling ring and put it in the middle of the shop thinking like he was going to become like this next like heavyweight wrestler whatever and then it just kind of nothing ever came about from it but yeah it was very short-lived but it just another cool tie-in you're right like it's, That's the way nerd culture is. It's so sweet when it all kind of comes together and it overlaps and you can just find all these different ways to connect people. Yeah. It was good stuff. It's kind of funny to, I wish they would do a whole dark side of the ring episode based on it, but I don't think they'd have enough to to do it. (laughs) But I I love, you know, Jerry's been kind of that, that glue that's maintained everything throughout the years with the band. And he's one of the founding members. And as the band has kind of evolved over time, Danzig left and, you know, you'd have different lineups, you'd have the Michael Graves era, and then you'd have a a period of time where Jerry was on vocals as well. And like, he's been a consistent kind of that, that puzzle piece that everything's kind of centered around. And so that's what I did with this particular piece, uh, on canvas. I wanted to capture that. And so he's kind of the focal point. And so just to kind of talk about the original cover art of the amazing fantasy, I actually, I've got it right here in front of me and I'll post it when I, when I put the pictures on the social media so you can kind of see them side by side, but it's a very classic cover. And, and Spider-Man is, is kind of swinging on a web and he's he's got his arm extended and then in his other arm and his in his right arm, he's like he's holding up a, a gentleman, whether he's a, a criminal or if he's just saving a, a person from from something, it's kinda of hard to tell, but you can see buildings in the background and there's a little bit of text on here, but it's it's just it's classic, classic Spider-Man. And I think everybody recognizes like once you see it, you'll you'll recognize, yeah, I've absolutely seen this before. And so I tried to capture that with this as well. At the top where it says on the original, Amazing Fantasy is the title. And then in the upper corner, you've got the approved by the comics code, which was a thing back then because there were very specific guidelines that comics had to adhere to. Yeah.
1: They started uh policing That's themselves. Right. For, for fear of a uh, greater government involvement and stuff. And so they're like, we'll, we'll make our own ratings board essentially so that we don't get
0: too much censorship censorship, censor ourselves, yeah. so to speak. And then right below that comics code, there's like a, just a little rectangle that says MC. And I want to say that's probably short for Marvel comics, but I'm not a hundred percent certain on that. Um, there's no real stamp of Marvel on this cover because, of course, it was, you know, early 60s and that wasn't really full up around yet. It was dated 15 August and then it had a price tag of 12 cents. So that's kind of that upper third of the piece. And on mine, instead of Amazing Fantasy, I put Famous Misfits of Musicland. And that was also kind of a nod to Famous Monsters of Filmland, which is an old monster magazine. And that's actually the the style of font that was used in that is what the Misfits used to generate their namesake logo. And so I tried to kind of pay tribute to that. In place of the approved by the comics code seal, I put approved by the Fiend Club Authority. And the Fiend Club is basically kind of the fan club for Misfits fans. And that's what they go by where the original has that little mc rectangle mine put i put a little jo and that's a little nod to jerry only so pretty much everything in my piece some of it is completely obvious whereas everything else everything that's in there is very strategic and by design but it's a nod or an easter egg of some sort and and we'll talk a little bit more about that instead of 15 august i put 31 october because Misfits are huge Halloween guys. They absolutely love it, and uh, who can blame them? And then, lastly, instead of the twelve cents price tag, I put a dollar thirty-eight as a as an Easter egg or a nod to the song "We Are 138. And yeah, that's kind of the the way to kick it off there a little bit. But what do you think, Dangerous Dave? Did that sort of stuff? stand out or was it a little too on the nose or was it just kind of not really did it kind of blend in um
1: well i this afternoon i was looking at the american the amazing fantasy cover next to your piece i have it i'm looking at it right now too and i was listening to some nice nice fits music so i was uh i I noticed the the Misfits font that you used in uh, tying that to the font that they used, and as a horror fan myself, I also am familiar with the famous uh, monsters, and yeah. love that. And yeah, the I almost wondered as I was looking at them; it was almost. Uh, like, maybe you upcycled and t- had a printout of the Amazing Fantasy cover and like oh. painted over it and stuff. Cause your placement, your placement of like the buildings and, uh, and the fiend in Jerry's arm as compared to the guy in the green
0: suit is like a spot on replica of that. I tried to make it as accurate as possible without being a complete you know, yeah layover. Like if you look at the actual cover, you'll notice that on the buildings there are people on the top of them. Then there's a little bit there's a lot yeah. of actually significantly more detail in the buildings themselves on the original cover where I spent less time focusing on the details of the buildings. And I just I put the I blocked the layout about the same, just basic rectangular shapes from a perspective. And then, you know, some implied brickwork and so forth and some line work. But I, I didn't necessarily go into full range detail with that as, as much as the others. But um, I was really trying to capture the, the absolute precision of the arm placement, the placement of the, the person under his arm and so forth. And so especially like the word bubbles, too, like those are important to get those right because it was kind of all like this giant play to try to capture the magic of yeah. that. And with, uh,
1: with the bubbles, you know, you the, the first one is kind of more ovalish, mm-hmm. oblonged and you replicated that. And then the, the lower text that Spider-Man is speaking is more circular. Mm-hmm. And so you've done that for Jerry. And then the square box for also in this issue and that's, uh, I like what you've done with your also in this issue. <laughs> Cause, uh, on the original amazing fantasy, they had an important message to you from the editor about the new amazing. Cause this was the last amazing right. fantasy issue. Then they went to amazing yes. Spider-Man and that was the message. But on yours also in this issue, you have, uh, some familiar characters to misfits fans. I do some, uh,
0: and s- someone that, uh, our Marley might know. <laughs> That's the best part about being able to create stuff like this, is because it's just like you're you're in charge, right? You can just live in your own world, and yeah. the, the best part of living in my own world is that everybody knows me there. Um, but yeah, so I used that block where it says also in this issue, and I just listed some previous cast member, cast members, band members of the Misfits, and Marky Ramone for a short time was on drums for them uh, of the world famous Ramones. Descadina from Black Flag was with them for a number of years, in fact, at that show that we were at. And I, I think he played at just about every show that I've, I've been at. Uh, Eric Arce was one of the last drummers to have uh, played with them. He played on the Devil's Reign album, and I got to see him play as well. And then Robo uh, was with them for many, many years off and on also on the drums and then I just couldn't help but put Marley Ramon at the bottom there too because you know I've heard some things about that guy but in the word bubbles on the original the original what's yeah, that this,
1: The uh, this was really clever too the way you um, adapted what was on Amazing Fantasy for the Misfits piece
0: I thought it was fun do you want to read the, the original? Yeah, I bubbles
1: yeah though the world this is the first one the ovalish one though the world may mock peter parker the timid teenager and then it goes into the circular one the lower one it will soon marvel at the awesome might of (laughs) spider-man
0: and on mine i wrote though the world may rock with bands like kiss and the ramones it will marvel at the awesome might of the misfits. And so in a way that also, cause I'm a huge Kiss and Ramones fan, like I wanted to acknowledge them as well. And, you know, it, it doesn't slight them at all. It just, if anything, it takes an opportunity to acknowledge them in the piece too. So there's definitely a lot going yeah. on here. Um, but my favorite aspect of the whole piece is just that kind of main focal image and you've got Jerry. When you think about bands like the Misfits and Kiss and and Alice Cooper, like these guys are not just musicians; they're full scope entertainers. Like these guys are larger than life, real life comic book characters. Like these guys created all of their their imagery, and and they've been replicated in comic book form, especially Kiss. But like not as much as the Misfits, the Misfits as much, but like. I've seen some indie projects that have had their their likeness done in such a way. But, like, they absolutely look like they could be superheroes or some form of comic book characters. And hopefully that's what is captured here. So as Jerry's kind of, like, flying through the air where Spider-Man would be just slinging on his web, Jerry is hanging on to his Devastator bass guitar which is attached to the cord to plugged into his amp. And the Devastator is a very specific iconic base that he uses that they created customized. And at the, on the head of it is like a a cyclops skull. It's very, very specific. And so like, I tried to capture that on there as well. And then like these guys, like when you see them on stage, they're rocking, they got spandex pants on big leather boots. They got the knee pads and, you know, that's what I tried to, to capture here, too. Jerry always has, like, a cutoff Misfits t-shirt of some sort, and he rips it off at the end, if he or if not sooner, throughout the show. And he's wearing this great big leather vest with the spikes and the big red collar, and, like, there it is. Boom. And, of course, like, the iconic Misfits Devil Lock, where... He's yeah. balding up top, but he's able to take his long hair from the back and he combs it all the way up forward, and he puts a hundred pounds of moose in it, and boom, there you have it. <laughs> it's just classic. It's just iconic. And so as he's swinging through the air, instead of holding or saving a a, a gentleman or you know maybe grabbing a crook or something, he's actually carrying the Crimson Ghost, the Misfits Fiend as we've come to know and love the the classic skull imagery from the actual film, The Crimson Ghost. But he's in his red robe and that attire, and he's just kind of in the exact same layout as, as the original piece. And, of course, I had to put kind of my own flair on it a little bit. Um, the original has some line work to demonstrate motion. I didn't really do a ton of that. I tried to capture it more so with just a gradual um, blending of colors behind him. But I definitely put a lot of my signature dots on there. And I say my signature, not that I'm the only one that's ever done that, but I do it on almost everything that I work on. I put these dots. And so that was kind of my way to to tie it in together and and make it mine. But, yeah. Yeah, we have –
1: you have some dots up in the the title portion of the upper third mm-hmm. around like a uh, famous and misfits mm-hmm. and stuff. And then there are several throughout like the the skyline of this the cityscape and stuff around Jerry and down by some of the upper edges of the buildings mm-hmm. and
0: stuff. Yeah. It's mostly the same about the same color scheme as the original in terms of the bulk of the piece like the top third where the most of the text is is the same type of a dark maroon color and then the kind of the skyline is almost a more of a cream and you could consider it sunrise or sunset but it's kind of that mid mid to late I don't know early even with uh, the misfits with the yellow
1: as the foreground font and the, the edging with uh, the blue, they did that for amazing fantasy is yellow with a, uh, a light blue behind it to give it some, uh, three dimensional look.
0: So I, I really just, um, it, it's one of my more favorite pieces. I, I really, I like it a lot. It's very simple and cartoony and comic bookish, but that was the point. And a lot of my original practice goes back to to this style of replicating comic book characters or cartoons or other forms of animation. And to bring it forward into somewhat of my adult life to be able to pay tribute to a band that I didn't really even get into much of until like the early 2000s. You know, when they have been around for so long, when we saw them, it was the 30th anniversary tour and that was in 2007 <laughs> i think the last time i saw them play was actually in 2012 in baltimore and mm. that was for the devil's Reign tour and i'm I'm pretty sure that's the last bit of original music that they've put out so jerry recently well actually it was about a year ago put out a solo record and it was okay and i was hoping it, to, it would just be like more new misfits, but it really wasn't quite the same.
1: There's a golden opportunity here where it could have been only Jerry <laughs> only,
0: right? Could have been, should have, could have, would have, but oh well, all good. The thing is, like with this piece, um I think I was telling you before that I don't do a very good job at labeling my, my work. I'm starting to do so better now, but it's nice having digital photographs because they have a date time stamp on them. Except I never took a final completed picture of this once I was done painting it. I took a few like in progress pictures so that I could kind of compare them side by side to the original inspiration. And the last one that I was able to find was taken on 3 August of 2013. So at a minimum, it's over 10 years old. Uh, almost almost 11, but I, I I'm gonna just have to say circa August 2013 ish with the big old ish so but yeah. Fully ish. (laughs) But um That's the piece. It was a lot of fun. I was really pleased. It was one of those pieces that like, and I'm sure you get the same type of sensation when you're filming something or coming up with an idea, writing a script, and and like it just comes together and you can see it happen like right before your eyes. Like as I was working on this, there was never a time where it was just like oh, this isn't flowing or my idea isn't working out the way I wanted it to. And it just came together and I was really pleased with it. And it, I can't look back on all of my work. And there's even work that I did within the last couple of years that I look back on it now and I'm just like, eh, it was good at the time, but maybe I'm not crazy about it now where this one's kind of held up for me, at least in my, my enjoyment of it. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, it might maybe too
1: the uh, the cross pollination of the geek cultures helped. You know, uh, being as big of a fan of the misfits as you are, and then having that comic influence, as opposed to you know something that that struck you at the time and then, but didn't have those same deep rooted uh, inspirations for sure i think i'd like and for me you know with uh sometimes i take a lot of uh shortcuts in my filmmaking knowing i'm writing producing directing and shooting it and editing it myself Starring in. so, <laughs> so no, having that knowledge i uh i don't for my live action stuff i don't do storyboards and stuff because i just know I know the shot and so i just and i know i'm going to be the one that's probably running the camera unless i'm in it so i just do you it here right you get it
0: in your camisa.
1: like father knows best i had it fully edited in my brain on my way over to go shoot it so i was like i knew the exact shots i needed boom 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 and one of my actors who's like i don't feel great today and i was like I'll make it quick because we got to get it done today i'm gonna lose the location so we just i shot it and i didn't waste his time i was like i only need you for this this and this probably take i don't know 45 minutes maybe an hour we'll get you in and out and that's cool so there's nice uh it's nice to have that uh sense of flow when you've got the the full piece in your envisioned in your mind and knowing how it's gonna
0: translate. I think it makes a difference when you're able to visualize what you want. And while I think that in most cases, it'll come out that way. And there's the, the few that kind of don't, that are a little bit, I don't know, a little disappointing when they don't go as planned sometimes, but when they do, and it's, it's just like miraculous, it's just, to see it come together and just play out the way you had it in your mind and just kind of watch it unfold. Like it's just, it's pretty satisfying.
1: Well, it's a nice, uh, rush. To quote the, uh, road warriors. Uh, was it (laughs) Hawk animal? No, (laughs) Hawk. What a rush.
0: (laughs) Oh man. You know, it, at least of do. Same, same. Miss them. They don't have stuff like that anymore. It's not the same.
1: That's why they have uh, Marley Ramon and Dangerous Dave. Yeah.
0: Tag team champions of the world. I'd be up there with broken knees and (laughs) hobbling around. I got to use the ropes to get back up. If I'm going out like Terry Funk in the later years. (laughs) Pretty much. He, he probably, even though he just passed away, he'd probably be better in the ring than I would currently, so. I don't know. He could probably take a bump still. <laughs> Too soon? No? Alright. Well, any other projects that you've got on the near horizon that Marley Mates should be on the lookout for?
1: Um, yeah, hopefully I'll finish this uh, live-action film I was talking about. It's a uh, Short comedy about uh, Dangerous Dave pursuing his dream of playing in the National Basketball Association as a guy who's uh, just under six feet tall and (laughs) almost 40. So, you know, (laughs) not the best, uh, not the best opportunities for breaking into professional basketball, but that sounds awesome. That's that's my next film project, and Monday, going into the studio to work on the next episode of Scare nice. on the Air, which is our classic radio drama series we do, where we go into the archives and pull out all-time radio shows that we actually write and record ourselves also, but written in the style of like a 1930s
0: uh, crime drama or something I like that. I love those, so, and I love... For people that aren't as familiar with them, you use a lot of pop culture references in them as well with old time TV shows. I say old time, but it's stuff like reruns that we grew up on and, you know, a lot of fun stuff like that. Even stuff that was new when we're young or new ish or newer. And uh, I'll put all the links and stuff again so that people can find their way to listen. But uh, you want to remind folks where they go find them? Yeah, you can go to soundcloudcom slash
1: radio, W-E-N-T-Y, radio. We also on the horizon our next, uh, besides that one is a one of the GGR networks specials with which is a special tribute to Mike Glessinger, who I mentioned earlier. He's retiring from uh, the radio station here in town. He's been the voice of the Bulldogs, our local sports mascot and teams at the high school and he's done voices on all of our shows so we're going to have a, he'll be on as a guest but then we'll also have some clips from some of his most uh, well-known or well-remembered uh, roles and stuff he plays the neighbor on golden girls radio hour that was his first big gig with us um, he often plays himself on the Dave Dr. J and Dangerous Dave Dog and Pony nice. show. And, and jokes about his checks bouncing or not knowing how to listen to the shows.
0: Well hopefully uh he'll still continue, even in retirement, to support by uh lending his his sweet pipes. Yeah, uh, that's my that's my hopes since I have not written off his characters <laughs> or anything. So we're not gonna get a uh uh I can't believe I'm drawing a blank here. Hey, um Never mind. I guess I'll
1: just. We're not gonna have like a Charlie Sheen two and a half men death
0: scene or anything. No, like that. no, I don't. I don't know if that would work. I don't know. We might have to get creative. But if there's anybody who could do it, it'd be you. So, we'll do a mind meld. <laughs> Well, my good friend, we are approaching, we are in the 45th minute, and um, I think we could sit here and talk for days about nerd stuff and things and music and tunes and projects and stuff, but I want to be respectful of your time, my good sir, and send you back out into the wild to do some excellent creating, and I will get hot on these storyboards. I promise to do at least two before I go to bed tonight. And since there's nobody here to hold me okay. accountable, I don't know if I'll have to do it or not. <laughs> but i I will put forth an effort to get these going because I want to see these projects really come to come to fruition because it's going to be exciting to see it all all that hard work that you put into this really pay off and to have a a product to be proud of. And I'm
1: yeah, and it's pretty uh, like with the monkey's paw pairing the storyboards, just having some sort of visual to pair with the performances uh, is th- a thrilling experience you know there's not there. Uh, I mimic like some of the camera movements and stuff mm-hmm. that I'm going to do but you know it's just a still image that's panning across the screen or, or you, that we're doing a, a crane shot into trying to mimic that and even just that much of it is uh, pretty exciting when you hear Lloyd Kaufman you know and some of those great trauma
0: guys mark Torgel, that'd be awesome that's that's going to be so great to see it come together well i'm super proud of you and i'm honored that you asked me to be a part of it and uh i can't wait to see the final part and you're you're a
1: gotham that's like right you know, in an interview guy, I, I can almost remember my lines totally shameful
0: situation say what Holy shameful situation, <laughs> Boy Wonder! <laughs> I knew it was a holy something. I could rem- and I knew that there was a Boy Wonder mixed in, but I couldn't remember the full. That was a number of years ago that I recorded that too. I Yeah, have- uh, this has been uh, quite the it's process. Okay, It'll all come together, and also
1: since the uh, the SAG after strike is officially over, that's mm-hmm. exciting stuff. I I have my confirmation of eligibility to join Excellent. the union, so we get some. Once, if I ever finish the Monkey's Pie, it's a union production. So there you go. Then you should. Oh, I guess you ran in Monkey's Pie.
0: My likeness is, though, right? Isn't my likeness supposed to be?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Eventually, hopefully, we'll get that sorted out. We have a character design for you and stuff. They
0: they better get the beard right. That's all I got to say. I'm just kidding, but seriously. Yeah, I think. uh, I we didn't. didn't I know. When we first. That's I know. It. <laughs> I remember taking those stills, too, those headshots. Oh, brother. All good, homie. Well, thank you for being on the show. I welcome you back anytime. And uh, hey, what are thanks you for tomorrow? having me. No, I'm kidding, but seriously. But uh, thanks for coming back. And, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Dangerous Dave Kusky. Hey, thanks, Miley <laughs> Mates. <laughs> Thanks, homie. We'll catch you. He's got you merch, He's got merch. <laughs> Do I really plug it and pimp it that hard?
1: No, I just wanted oh, to okay. plug it and pimp it for you. Well,
0: I'll allow it. Judges? It is no surprise that Marley Mates are indeed the greatest listeners in the galaxy. That's right. So whether you decide to support me by listening to the show week after week tuning in to the Facebook Lives every now and then, or even following me on my social media pages of the Facebook and Instagram. That's greatly appreciated. But I've recently also started a merch shop. If you want to get your hands on some of the coolest Marley Ramones Mad Mad House of the Dead podcast merch, head on over to Spreadshirt.com and find yours today. We've got logo stuff, we've got original artwork. There's plenty to choose from, and I'm always adding more. Also, I've recently started a Patreon page, and for just $5 a month, the cost of a mocha chaka, bullshit, you could have a membership to Marley Ramon's Mad Mad House of the Dead podcast, where with every new subscription, I will send you a personalized video message and mention you by name in a future podcast episode. If you should wish to participate, go on over and check it out. If not, no worries. I love that you keep coming back for more anyways. So I will talk to you soon. Tune in next week. Okay, folks, thank you for joining again this week. Art is a powerful thing, and I appreciate your willingness to hear my stories. And if you keep listening, I'll keep talking. I urge you to do what makes you happy and never accept anyone that treats you less than. Have the courage to be you and try things on. Besides, every day is Halloween. Special thanks to our friends at Pecan Pie and Subsonic Voodoo for providing these epic musical selections. To see these works as discussed, follow on Facebook at Marley Ramone's Mad Mad House of the Dead podcast page or on Instagram at M-R-M-M-H-O-D. You can find this podcast on most major streaming platforms. And most importantly, if there's one thing that you take away from this stupid little podcast, it's to remember that you are not alone ever. Dial 988 for the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline or Veterans Crisis Line, also 988. Then press 1 or text to 838-255. Until next time, be creative and go tell someone you love them.